2: Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Darren Lewis of the Daily Mirror and Dominic Fifield of the Guardian. You don't have to be Einstein to work out the problem. No blend, no balance, no speed, no spirit, no harmony. No excuses for Man United and Jose Mourinho, Darren?
1: None really. I have to say I was really surprised at how bad Manchester United were yesterday. It was a performance that screamed that there were deeper issues than the scoreline. Their first touch of the ball was from the kickoff after Pedro had scored. His first shot on target all season. Um, There were certain members of the, the, the Chelsea team that had the performances of their lives yesterday now. I think Chelsea is a separate issue because we know that the Chelsea players can turn it on when they feel like. And there are a number of players that have an axe to grind with Jose Mourinho. But I think as far as Manchester United are concerned, he is nowhere near getting anything like the, 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 the full value for the players. Poor Pogba, zero goals, zero assists, zero chances created, one touch in the opposition box for £100 million. That's just incredible. I, I, you, you look all around the team Latan looked his age yesterday um, sorry on Sunday I, I think as far as Manchester United are concerned the individual performances and the team performance the defensive display daily Blind was an absolute nightmare Gary Neville in TV commentary described that defence as garbage there are huge problems there for, for Jose Mourinho to solve
2: mm-hmm. There's
1: a bit of a pattern here
2: 13 losses in his last 27 league games for Jose Mourinho you know him well, Dom. Um, what was his mood and person... Has his personality changed over the last year or so?
0: Definitely. He seems utterly joyless now. I mean, when he first came to to England back in 2004, he had a, a bit of a sparkle to him, a bit of mischief. Um, a lot of the comments he made, yeah, were tongue-in-cheek, and he he had, that, he had that element, that humour about him, and that's been drummed out of him recently. I do think... When he came back second time in 2013, um, there was a brief period where he described himself as a happy one, um, and that soon got exposed as a, as a myth, even really at the tail end of the champion, championship season in um, 2015, when it, went, when it all became a bit dour. And then the shock of those five months, he's still scarred by it, in the same way that Chelsea's players are still scarred by it, because they're still trying to redeem their reputations. Uh, I think he's carried that into his next job at Manchester United, and... There was no... I mean, he had no reason to be happy post-match on, on Sunday. It, it, that was a nightmarish return. I mean, he, it, it was the polar opposite of when he came back with Inter Milan back in 2010, when his team was disciplined, they'd won the game well. He'd, he'd sort of retained that sense of awe with, with the Chelsea players as well, with greeting them in the tunnel before the game. They, they clearly were you know, awestruck by him still. This time, they, the utter indifference of the supporters, of the Chelsea players... None of the players who started that game really acknowledged him pre-match. Was and just that a would, substitute. That would
2: have hurt him, wouldn't it, Darren? Because you know he had to me the air of a you know a magician, a end of the pier magician. You know we all know that there's an ace up his sleeve or a seven
1: of hearts up his sleeve, and that was the Conte Rao. What did yeah. you make of that? I thought that was uh, one of his classic misdirection techniques to detract from the performances. Of his players and his ability to get more out of them mm-hmm. uh, we've all covered games where Mourinho has been very mischievous and come up with what we describe as a line for us that's mm-hmm. gonna make our back pages and, and it's great copy to write about a row between two managers or two big individuals but essentially what that did do is mask the problems with the team mm-hmm. I, I'm still a big Mourinho fan I got to put my cards on the table um, I'm I'm quite fascinated by this schadenfreude around him in in so much as we do like to take a big guy down in this country. I think as far as Mourinho is concerned, I don't think you could achieve what he has done without being a very talented man. Um, It's quite interesting. You, You mentioned the end of the peer magician type thing because that's quite a good analogy. He will be very, very keen to prove that. The game hasn't passed him by, that the Contes and the Klopps and the, and the Pochettino of this, of this world aren't about to, to, to go past him. So I think this season could be quite fascinating in that he, we will see what he's made of. I don't think this result necessarily defines him. I think it will be funny now, oh, funny, it'll be fascinating now to chart where he goes from here. In that context,
2: then, Dom, is it vital that they're not embarrassed again against Manchester City in midweek? And you know they've got Burnley on Saturday. Not very good away from home, it has to be said. But that's a gritty team. That if there's any lack of commitment in United, they'll expose it.
0: Yeah, Absolutely, of course it is. But again, I, I, I'm with Darren. I think we should. I think we should be holding fire before judging Jose at United. I mean, a, f- a few days previously, they'd actually ground out one of the best defensive performances we've seen in recent years, and then. Their game plan was absolutely blown out of the water after 30 seconds um, on on Sunday, um, brilliantly on Twitter. If you've seen, they've done a, a countdown yeah. uh, for 30 <laughs> seconds. I mean, it's, it, 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 it sums it up. I mean, it was comical, but you know, he, this is a, this is going to take time. It's not going to take one transfer window for him to get that team. As he wants it to be, and it's going to take a couple, and I think an element of patience is required.
2: But he said he was happy with the four players who came in. Yeah, yeah. So
0: why is Mkhitaryan, you know, on on the outer reaches of Mars? <laughs> That's that is one of the great mysteries. I mean, when Mkhitaryan signed, he, I did wonder whether he was a Jose Mourinho type player in the old school way. I mean, does he does he provide the, the same industry as mm. invention? I mean, mm. I'm not sure he does, but clearly that isn't working out at the moment. Maybe it will in time, but um, yeah, that that is intriguing. But look, he, he he may have been happy with those four players, but he's gonna need more, isn't he? And he's gonna to need to strengthen that defense. Um, he's gonna need more players coming in there.
2: Is he making the best of what he's got? If you look at it, he's isolating Schneiderlin. Mm. He seems reluctant about
1: Shaw. Mm. And why on earth Michael Carrick isn't playing is beyond me. I think they're all good points that I wouldn't disagree with at all. Um, and I shared Dom's view on Mkhitaryan for example, when he bought him he thought he's a great guy in the 10, scores goals, has done for his former club he would be the natural replacement for Rooney in that position because lots of people felt Rooney should be playing behind Mm -hmm. uh, Zlatan and Brehebovich but Mkhitaryan in there would be a fantastic uh, replacement, why is Antonio Valencia still playing at right back when you've spent so much money in the transfer window why have you not brought in He he was arguably United's
0: best player Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the
1: irony and I think as far as United are concerned. There are some very good players still at that club that you could argue, it's right, that he's not getting the best out of Rashford playing on the right side of the attack, you know, when he's a penalty box player. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, in well, some Well, he respects, ended up almost as a win-back, didn't he? Well, this is, this is the point. Right. I mean, yeah, I, 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 you look at that team and there are so many players in there doing a job instead of excelling in positions where they are strongest. And I think as far as Manchester United are concerned, I, I, again, I've said it already, I'll say it again, I'm a Mourinho fan, but sometimes you have to stop being a pragmatist and start actually releasing the potential of the players that you've got at your disposal. Mm-hmm. I think some of those individuals will go to other clubs and excel and that will be a crying shame. You,
2: you mentioned Pogba earlier on, Darren. Um, what struck me about him was, was almost the, the listlessness
1: of it. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if, uh, I don't fancy this. Yeah, and that's quite worrying. I mean, Juventus, who got the the huge amount of world record fee, wasn't it? uh, They're doing okay. Okay, they lost at the weekend. um, But essentially, they're still top of the league and they're still going great guns. I think it's seven wins from their last eight. Um, uh, But you look at Pogba as an individual, and the United must be wondering what on earth they do with him. Because if anyone was going to get the best out of this guy, it was the guy who's plundered leagues and Champions Leagues in, in, in a couple of different countries across Europe. So. Is it to do with the commitment of the player? Is he playing to instruction? Is he a leader? Is he motivated? Um, Or is it that he just is struggling to cope with the pace of the English game at the moment? There have been a number of players, Mike, who have come to this country. First season have been horrendous. Second season onwards have been great. Son Heung-min at Spurs is an example. Mm. Laurent Koscielny at Arsenal is a brilliant example. Came from Mm. Laurent, very ordinary first season. After that, he was sensational. I think as far as is concerned, it might just be that he's struggling to come to terms with the English game and there is better to come from him.
2: Mm, let's look at Chelsea then, Dom. It's a club you know well. Mm-hmm. That was a, It seemed to me almost to be a, a, a watermark occasion, that. 3-4-3 three, four, three, four, three worked very well. Conte's had some initial problems. Is he over those problems?
0: Um, I think it's probably too early to say he's completely over them. I think the last month has been... Quite revelatory, really. Since half time at Arsenal, when they were three nil down, he swi- switched the three man defence at the Emirates. Then, and they haven't conceded a goal since. But we've been saying watershed moments in every match since. Hull City away. I mean, everybody's going to beat Hull by the look of things at the moment. Unfortunately, um, Leicester City at home. We thought that was great. They beaten the champions, dismissed the champions. But the reality was Leicester aren't great travellers. Manchester United. Um, that did send a statement out. But it was a game with a particular emotional attachment for a lot of those players. So they were going to be motivated for that one. So let's see what they do next. I I, I still think that when teams have the pace and the movement um, up top, they will still struggle, Chelsea, um, as, as Liverpool and Arsenal proved against them. and I, I So I still think there's an element of... Um, experimentation with the three-man defence it has been refreshingly solid and the, the most encouraging thing about about Conte's tenure so far has been he's getting more out of players than maybe the pre- predecessors were which I'm talking certainly Victor Moses Victor Moses has been absolute revelation at, at, at right wing back this is a player that you know Mourinho didn't give the time of day to and spent the last three seasons out on loan and he suddenly looks like a, a natural in that role which is remarkable but Okay, let's let's see how he is against a, a Manchester City or or an Arsenal when they come around again. Um, but those are the signs; those are the encouraging signs. I mean, Equator as a as a centre half is has been superb. <laughs> Dare I say, even David Luiz looks like a defender sometimes. <laughs> um, but but you know that's encouraging. But I think it's telling that the fact that they still want to strengthen significantly in January. I, I so that tells me that. Conte doesn't think he's got the finished article
1: yet. Mm. I, I actually agree with, with domin so much as... Sounds
0: like a surprise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think that Chelsea's proximity to the top flatters them. I think they've had two very... Isn't obliging... that the nature of the season, though? It's a pretty transitional
2: season, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Five clubs within a point? Yeah, yeah I, I think it is a transitional season. And it's quite striking when you consider the amounts of money that was spent in what was a record transfer window, that there are still so many sides... Uh, as you say, separated by so little. But I think, I, th- I just think, as far as Chelsea consider, we be very, very fortunate to have three very obliging teams to play against. Hull are awful. Uh, there's no way to, to, to kind of uh, sugarcoat that. Leicester cannot win away from home. At home, they, they, they're quite decent, but they appear to be a side more motivated for the Champions League than the Premier League. And Manchester United, well, Mistake in the first minute. The referee should have sent off David Louise and didn't. Um, Gary Cahill actually, can, had Daley Blinn been a bit braver, Gary Cahill's shot would have hit him where the sun doesn't tend to shine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but, you know, and, uh, United in some respects were the architects of their own misfortune um, against a, a side packed with players desperate to put one over the guy they couldn't stand. It will be when they play teams that are more organised, more motivated, with more cutting edge, defensively stronger, then we'll be able to judge just how good Chelsea are. So in that context, OK, they've got a, a League Cup tie at West Ham, but
2: uh, next weekend they're at Southampton. Mm. Now there's a team, high pressing, really well yeah. organised defensively. I think they've uh, only Tottenham and Leicester have one more points in That's this here. calendar year that's going to be a real test for them, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Southampton, Southampton's performance at Chelsea last season under Mourinho, Chelsea under Mourinho, was one of the most startling um, performances at, at Stamford Bridge. Um, Chelsea disintegrated that day. Um, Southampton ran rings around them and then they could have scored five or six. And, and that is what Chelsea will be up against at the weekend, that that a, a team with that much confidence and and fluid movement up up top. Um, Claude Puella's initially, you know, it took him a while, those first four games, only two points, but he really has them playing. Um, That was a wonderful point for them at Manchester City, and they deserved it. They fully merited it, Um, and they will test Chelsea at the weekend in a a way that Manchester United didn't, and Leicester didn't. Certainly Hull didn't. Uh, yes, and we'll, let's judge. Let's judge Conte then. Let's judge. Let's, let's see where they are then. And I think Conte will be aware of that. I mean, he he knows. He he still refers back to those Liverpool and Arsenal performances, and he knows that that pace hurts Chelsea still. Um, but but we haven't seen that back three tested in the same way. Mm. So let's let's see how they do Sunday.
2: Mm, I've always
0: been impressed
2: by Virgil van Dijk. Mm. Yeah, he, he could have played in with a pipe and slippers at at Celtic. He's come down there. He looks, actually, the sort of
1: defender that Chelsea could do with. Absolutely. He's authoritative. He's strong in the air. He's good on the deck. I saw him stepping into midfield a couple of times yesterday uh, against Manchester City with a real grace... And, 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 and almost an imperiousness. Um, it's interesting, Celtic, they have decent play. When Yarmour played for Celtic, came down here really slotted into English football really well. Um, Van Dijk is a no-nonsense defender. For all the things I've just said about him, he makes good decisions, and I think he's a big part of why uh, Southampton have conceded only two goals in over 700 minutes. They've got a really, really good record. I don't think their point against City was a fluke. I think they'll be strong, as strong as Chelsea, and they'll give them real problems. Um, part of the reason why, uh, like Don was saying about Chelsea, Pedro's goal was his first shot on target all year, which is just ridiculous <laughs> for an attacker that they paid £22 million for. Um, I think as far as Southampton are concerned, he is a, uh, Van Dyke is a fantastic leader. He improves the performances of the players around him and he gives the confidence to their offensive players to go forward and do their stuff because they've got, they know they've got someone like him behind them. Everyone keeps raiding the, the Southampton cupboard. I think if they were to come back, he might well be one of those that they want to pinch. Mm, and quality. the academy still is working. Sam McQueen's come in
2: and done really well. Mm-hmm. And another Chelsea reject doing excellently. Is
0: Rameau. Now you obviously saw a lot of him. Yeah. He's he's reinvented himself, isn't he? He has really. Um I've had an interview with Rameau Romeo when he was like the future of Chelsea all <laughs> way back. And he just come from, he'd come from Barcelona. I mean, I think it was AVB that signed him, and he, he was he was gonna be the ball playing central midfielder that, that, that Chelsea desperately were crying out for at the time. And they had a few bright moments in that first where he got badly injured and, and that really cost him his place and he, he never really got a look in after that um last season he seemed to be more of a ball winner than anything else but he's he's playing now he's actually he's getting the ball down and and he he's that sort of i don't know quarterback style defensive midfielder um, that we knew he could be when he was at Barcelona and that Barcelona thought he might be and Barcelona had inserted a clause into the deal to take him to Chelsea saying we, we, we'd like a buyback on this fellow and that, that, that shows you the potential and the ability he had. Mm-hmm. It's good to see him coming, coming through and, and, and dominating because Southampton's scouting is so shrewd when, when they signed him you sort of thought well they've seen that we haven't mm-hmm. then at Chelsea but they had seen something and he's, he's been excellent for them this season. Mm-hmm.
2: Liverpool's Recruitment has improved. They're one of the, the the top five at the moment. You know, I think they were um, top of the league for about an hour on Saturday <laughs> night. Um, your view on on how they're evolving? You know, there's a lot of talk at the moment about the fantastic four,
1: their mm. front four. They've got everything, haven't they? They do. They look a fantastic side. Tony Pulis said that. They were one of the best sides he's played against because of the fluidity of their movement, because they are so potent. It seems an age away now since we were saying that if they didn't have Daniel Sturridge, they were toothless. Now, without Daniel Sturridge, they're probably more, probably they definitely are more potent. And I think, as far as Klopp is concerned, he deserves credit for the fact that he has transformed a side so solely reliant on one player into a side with so much uh, power pace, fluidity, and cutting edge. Where I think they they could struggle, and at the weekend, and all of our colleagues wrote about it in, in the Monday papers, is defensively. Because he kind of bristled in the Monday briefing. He said he he didn't respect anyone who who thought they were poor at set pieces. (laughs) The facts are that they've conceded 11 goals so far this season more than any other team in the top six and I think as far as Klopp is concerned if there's something that's going to undermine their title challenge, and it is a title challenge, you know they're in the thick of it, they're scoring as many goals as everyone else and they're rolling with the the top teams at the moment, um, it's going to be defensively. If you look at them going forward you know I'll put my hand up I, <clears throat> I wasn't sure about Firmino now
2: 12 goals five assists in this calendar year mm. that shows that I was wrong and a lot of other people
0: were wrong about it. yeah when they when they signed him from Hoffenheim wasn't it I mm-hmm. think um Brendan Rogers was he always brought him in as a sort of um I don't know fought to the to the board the, he wanted to sign Christian Benteke and the board wanted to sign Firmino so he sort of said okay fine we'll, we'll get him but if only i can get him um now not long afterwards brendan rogers is out on his tod and and um and famino is a is a, <laughs> is a player that jürgen klopp has always admired and loved at hoffenheim surprise surprise um and he's brought the best out of him he's he's he is okay we go on about false number nines etc but he he does everything he, he creates amazing he had an amazing assist rate at, mm. at hoffenheim amazing mm. Amazing statistics from 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 the Bundesliga, but he's added goals to his game now, um, and that that he sort of fits into the style mm. of of what Liverpool are are trying to achieve up up, up top. I, I love. I mean, that's a that's a nightmare to, to mark. I mean, you don't know who you go with. No. Coutinho no. Is a, We're not mentioning him. but mm. Coutinho mm. is a yeah. absolute... well, and Lalana well, yeah, has excelled, doesn't yeah. yeah. he? The amount of running that he does in a game is quite astonishing. I don't know where you start when you try and counter them all. I mean. You can't you can't pin it on one man yeah. anymore. As you said, D- Daniel Sturridge used to be the focus. Yeah. Post Suarez, it was all about Sturridge. But actually, now they they hurt you from all areas. When they came down to Chelsea earlier in the season, I thought the best their best player on the pitch that day was actually James Milner. who was mm. absolutely ex- exceptional at left back. I mean, mm. the amount of energy he's got is is ridiculous. And I mean, all those all that cross country running as a <laughs> as a kid, is just still there. They, they hurt you from all over the place. And You know, Actually, come to think of it, we we can talk about their defensive frailties, but they'll outscore most teams in that division.
1: Well, that's the big point, that they are so potent up front and they are so interchangeable up front that they almost remind me of the Brendan Rodgers side, that challenge for the title came so close. They, They had such a fantastic scoring rate that they weren't that concerned about whether they let a couple in at the back because if they score four and you score three, happy days. I think as far as Klopp is concerned, he won't mind that. They remind me already... Of the Dortmund side he's left behind. And I kind of hated that whole rock and roll type thing. Heavy metal football. Heavy metal thing. I mean, you know, it was the thing that we kind of latched onto. But it is, it, it is just, you you just can't cope with it. It's just a wall of noise at Anfield and the players are basically coming at you from everywhere and they can leave you kind of dizzy. And that's what Pulis talked about Um we were at Chelsea when they destroyed Chelsea. Um, and again, your point about the fact that when Chelsea come up against a side with pace and movement and cutting edge, they got no answer. They destroyed Arsenal, who've undefeated since then, Arsenal, and sweeping teams aside. OK, they, they drew against Middlesbrough, but generally they've been very potent this season. Liverpool are serious title contenders. Mm.
2: They're at Crystal Palace in the BT Sport live game. Uh, and after I've said all
1: oh, that, they're going to lose now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Again, a club that's dear to your heart, Dom.
1: Uh, You you had
2: a long sit-down with with Alan Pardew last week. Um, Only five wins in 31 Premier League games. What's his mood like?
0: Pretty bullish. It it was ahead of Leicester, anyway. Um, Look, that statistic is damning, 5-31. But I, I, I think, given that he decided last summer to, to completely change the way Palace approached matches um, and the style of play on the pitch. I think we should probably accept that last season has gone and the actual statistic is three wins in nine, um, which is more acceptable. Um, they, are, they are a team in transition, and even he admitted in, in that interview that, that um, it's a risk. Changing the way the team approaches matches mid-season, or you know, his his priority has got to be survival. He's got to stay in the Premier League. But I think he, he he's ideally like to target the top ten. But whether Palace can achieve that, I'm not so sure. I think it's a it's it's going to be an they're going to be at moments this season, as Leicester proved at the weekend, as West Ham did the previous week, when things look a bit awkward at Palace. Uh, when if they take out one or two of their key players, they're not quite the unit, the slick unit that he wants them to be. Without Punchin, who does a hell of a lot of work in that midfield, mm. uh, and without Scott Dan at the back, and they will need Dan against Liverpool. They'll need somebody who can organise and has got a bit of pace about him and can read the game well against against that front four. Um, but if you take them out, they're not quite what they they need to be I think, give it a couple more transfer windows, Palace could be quite, quite something, in, in, you know, relatively. Mm. But at the moment, they're a work in, in progress. Okay.
2: Liverpool's other game this week, Darren, is a mm. League Cup tie against Spurs. Mm. Um, still unbeaten Spurs. Looks like that League Cup tie, I think both sides will be looking for fringe players, probably mm. to feature in it. Where are Spurs
1: at the moment? I know you've been pretty bullish about them. I still think they're in good shape. Um, I think their league position, I mean, there's what's the point of, covers we were saying the top four or five but the fact that they're undefeated the stats say that a high percentage of the teams of the last team to um, remain unbeaten in any given season generally goes on to win the league Um, I still think defensively they're in great shape only four goals conceded by far the best defensive record uh, this season I, I think up front they're a little bit blunt in the last couple of games, Son heung not quite had the same impact that he initially had. But I still would fancy Spurs going forward because I still think that they're based on a very solid back line. They've got a good platform to build on. I think when Kane comes back and they expect him back within the next couple of weeks, they'll be in good shape again. I would like to see Son playing on his own up front more often. I think he gives Jansen a chance, possibly too often Jansen maybe... A season or so away, Um, but I still do think Spurs are in good shape. I think that the League Cup tie, neither side, I don't think, the League Cup is high in the priorities of either side, Mm.
2: frankly. So in league action, they've got Leicester on Saturday. Mm. Um, You know, Leicester really poor away from home.
0: Why is that? Well, I mean, I saw them at Chelsea, and they just disintegrated early. They, They have no answer to to an early concession. Um, it, it may be that Okazaki coming back in does actually help them because he does drop into that midfield and make it a five which makes it more awkward to play against them but they've got Copenhagen coming up after this and again, if so they, they win the, then they're into the knockout mm. um, that's a pretty good time for Tottenham to be playing them to be honest yeah. because I, I do think that the, that Leicester may wrap a few up in cotton wool again like they did at at, at Chelsea Um I think, I think Leicester will be fine. Leicester will finish top half the table and I think that's still a really good season for them despite what they did last year. And they will get it together away from home. They've had some pretty darn mm. difficult games away from home yeah. and Spurs away is another one. Um, so I don't have any real concerns about them but I, I do think at the moment they're a bit stretched and for all that um, Claudio Ranieri says that they're not distracted by, by Europe, I think they, they probably are in the back of their minds. Mm. What do you make of the Vardy situation?
1: um what in terms of him not playing hmm. more i i think ranier is trying to to rekindle the fire that he had last season i mean he he obviously footballer of the year he's had massive highs he's done his book he's had all of the the the, the positivity that's come with that I just think he hasn't quite caught fire in the same way that he did last season. Uh, and and is trying to get that out of him. He's obviously brought in Musa. Musa's scoring possibly might put a bit of pressure on Vardy because I think if Musa can retain his place in the side, then it gives Ranieri a reason to say, look, you get better buck your ideas up, otherwise you won't be getting back in. My worry for, 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 for Leicester overall, you know, Mike, is that I just wonder if they feel last season... Was their mountain that they climbed, and now are you know now it's the Champions League because they just don't seem to have that same hunger and desire for the Premier League that they had last year. I mean, they still they've still got the quality to finish top but ten. Should the, but, mm. but should they should they be satisfied with that? Should, I mean, you know, the, the good teams they put the the, the the victory behind them and they go on to the next challenge. That's yeah. a sign of of great teams, and they build on it. And I think for, for the for the for I think there are too many people around Leicester who basically say, who cares what happens now? We've done it.
0: Well, Claudio Ranieri's saying that.
1: Yeah, mm. but Claudio Ranieri was spent half of last season saying we're fighting against relegation. Well, well they, they were, were. <laughs> <laughs> Successfully. <laughs> Successfully. believe any of us. <laughs> well, absolutely. But,
2: you know, all, all managers are, are alchemists, aren't they? Now, if you look at Man City, you've got Pep Guardiola almost downplaying the significance of Sergio Aguero. You know, some talk about Real Madrid... Surely they, they're not thinking of getting rid of him, are they?
0: I don't think so. All the noises are that he's 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 agreed and um, a new extension on his his deal at Manchester City. So what's this like? then? Just tough love? I think there's an element of that. I just think I think Pep seems to be Pep Guardiola seems to have picked out certain people that he wants to almost bring down a peg or two mm. at Manchester City. Mm. I, mean, I was baffled, as everybody was, by the decision to not to play Aguero at Camp Nou. I mean that's. That's, that seems to be cutting off your nose despite by your face. I mean, it's bizarre. But but there was a logic to it, I suppose, if you want to flood midfield against them. And uh, it didn't work. It was a disaster. But, you know, Aguero's <laughs> scoring rate in domestically um, and in the Champions League, actually, apart from that match, it's, it's been phenomenal. There's no way that Guardiola would, would even countenance his departure now, to be honest. I, th- I think it's a game of politics. And I think he's just asserting control over a dressing room that, let's, let's, let's face it, they've underachieved the last, yeah. last couple of years, yeah, really. Mm. Um, so th- this is him saying, OK, well, let's, let's, let's make this my own and, and, uh, and see where it goes. Like Aguero, will be, Aguero will score 30 goals this season. I'm sure he'll score 30 goals for Manchester City. I mean, totally he's, if he stays fit. And you know, they not won for five games,
2: but the last time that happened under Pep Guardiola, <laughs> Barcelona won the lot in, in uh, March 2009.
1: Yeah but I think Barcelona are a far more capable side than this city side I think but and obviously Barcelona had that little guy who just scores for fun for them I think city have got real problems um uh, they've I agree with the aguero situation I think that's just absolutely incalculable that you'd go into a match against Barcelona without your your biggest weapon it's just it's just, it's just incredible so you think they have got real problems at the top of the league yeah but sometimes we can get Listen, we can get carried away, with, with again, with the league positions. Chelsea are a good case in point. But I think defensively, they have a mistake in them. Yeah. John Stones has made more mistakes leading to goals mm. than any other player in the Premier League. I think as far as uh, City are concerned, teams mm. have realised, as Southampton did, when you pressure Manchester City you get more purchase at them. Look, when Pep man managed Barca, Bayern Munich last season, teams gave them so much space, they barely got, went into their half because they just knew how strong Bayern Munich were. He's not getting that luxury in the Premier League at the moment because teams are pressing far higher up the pitch and good, well-organised teams like Southampton, like Everton, are managing to get joy out of it. And I think he's having to kind of re... He is having to rethink his strategy. And it's not all of the top teams that are dismantling them. People say, oh, there's no shame in losing. To Celtic scored three goals against mm. uh, Manchester City. So he does have some thinking to do. Um, we all know how good they are going forward. It's at the back that they're dropping, that, that, that they're being undermined. And that's the reason why I think that they've got a couple of problems.
2: Mm. OK, final question for both of you. Which manager has got most to be optimistic about at the moment in the Premier League?
1: <laughs> go on Darren. Jurgen Klopp I think that with that forward line he can go toe to toe with any team he's beaten some of the best teams already in the Premier League and I think that Liverpool have, have got a real title challenge on their hands again
0: Wow. wow um, most optimistic should we uh, well Klopp, Klopp's a good shout in terms of what Liverpool's ambition is. I'll go for something slightly off-field though. I think, I think the way that Burnley performed against Everton at the weekend shows that they've got enough to stay out of that bottom three and for me, for Sean Dyke, that would be a hell of an achievement.
2: I'm going with Darren. Football's pretty short of fairy tales but Jurgen Klopp winning the league with Liverpool is one for the ages. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writer's Podcast.
1: Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.
0: Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music. For all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com/newsadfree. That's amazon.com/newsadfree to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time.